Yeah, maybe like just a 15, 20 second, your name, why you are here, that type of a thing. You you do know that like what you just said has to be in the podcast. (laughs) Like it just starts off with this, like what we're discussing right now, this has to be the way it ASMR in the start, yeah, let's do The ASMR definitely has to be in there, yeah. (laughs) At some point. Maybe it's like a little thing at the very end. Like the bonus. All the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you need to put like three seconds of silence or five seconds of silence enough that people would go skip. Okay, that's happening. Yeah. But if you put this bit here at the beginning of the episode, then know about it. Hello. Um, hi, I'm Rebecca Smith. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited to to share um, to share about the experience of Milano IS, and I hope you find it interesting, like Nathan and Joel have pretended to for the last <laughs> for the last hour. What do you mean um, for the past hour? We're just about to start the podcast. Yeah, we're just we're, about we're, to we're start the podcast. We're not recording this at we the end. Definitely not record the intro at the end. Um, so I'm I'm Rebecca. I was the president of Milano IS. I started EYP in 2008, and uh, Milano IS was um, well my last session. It was supposed to happen at first in the spring of 2020, and I think it was the first IS to be COVIDed. And so I think I I have the honor of being the longest standing IS president and I had the longest standing IS chairs team with the longest standing IS HOs and longest standing IS officials team. So uh, yeah, that's um, some pretty, so we're, we're really proud of what we ended up creating and uh, we shared a few, shared a few stories from that. <laughs> so Instagrammable. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> gotta keep those uh, listeners on their toes, waiting for the next next hit of the Tales from Sessions goodness. Oh, that sounds like sexy or something. <laughs> but what well, then again, you, you do tick that this is a an over 18s podcast every week, right? Yep, it's um, explicit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Content. <laughs> I'm just saying. I I don't. I'm not trying to suggest anything by that. I'm just saying. Well, I don't have anything crispy to talk about from Milano since it was all like I don't know. You could have crispy things that are on the internet, but n- <laughs> not that I know of. Uh? Not that I know of. An online gossip hole. Yeah, or you know, you can have people having like you know Skype sex or something, but I don't know of that happening. <laughs> Okay, when you say you don't know, no, I, I feel I don't like think, I don't know. Like, there, there's an be... undertone <laughs> of being like, okay, I can't confirm it happened, but I didn't hear about it. We did have. If it happened, okay. I didn't. They didn't tell me. Oh, um, you weren't invited. I, mean, I wasn't invited. Yeah. <laughs> mm, downsides I mean, of being a president. <laughs> yeah, they didn't invite me. But the, the cool thing about that is you could invite a larger audience without. Yeah. Without having logistic issues. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of an interesting topic to talk about, though. Like, because UAP sessions do tend to um, breed some relationships of a uh, romantic kind. And I wonder. <laughs> yeah, but actually, if so our... <laughs> I know that some friendships started. So people who didn't okay. know each other met through the <laughs> through the session. And then they, like, visited each other in real life. So I know that yeah. friendships really started. I don't know if... Oh, well, actually, a couple was formed, but it was in the Orga team. So they were still having, like, in-person gatherings before COVID. And so they actually got together thanks to that. It's super cute. And then I got to meet them in person, and they're super cute. So. Oh, yeah, man. I just saw, like, your face melting, Nathan. You, you, just, you just love romantic yeah. stories, don't you? Of course. They're, they're, they're the cutest to hear. <laughs> And I was, I, was, I was still trying to kind of like recollect my thoughts after Joel thrown in there. I'm not sure if it was an intended pun or just happy About accident. The when the, no, yeah. no, with the breeded, with the breeded thing of being like in EYP, we breed good relationships straight after the Skype sex. No, I, I, I don't know. I was still yeah. reminiscent I on mean, that. Where I was going with that is I was wondering whether EYP... Um, Digital sessions have actually 
initialized some um, remote relationships and therefore Skype sex. I mean, there's been a lot of digital sessions, so I hope in at least one of them, but uh, I haven't been made aware for the of organization. Yeah. No, but also just no, but uh, also like maybe this is going to sound cheesy from my part, but it means that some people will have found some kind of love or connection, and I think that's cool. Oh, fair. So on on the relate, okay. I'm, I'm I'm trying to step away from the relationship part, and I mean like the kind of bonding part and stuff like this. Um, and I guess that was that was something in in my mind. I uh, j- just recently been big back from a session where we tried to do a hybrid thing, and I know for, for you everything was like fully virtual. Mm. So then, how did you deal with the? building connections in a meaningful way and giving the space for people to randomly have conversations and kind of randomly build stuff in an unstructured way. Yeah. So I think that was the main challenge um, in a sense that it's kind of what we're all missing was having these downtime where you can just like run into people in the lobby and start chatting with them. So um, what helped was that we, so we already had somewhat of a formed team when COVID hit in the sense that our CMOT was canceled three days before it was supposed to happen because we're supposed to have it at the end of February. And that's when they shut Uh. everything down in Italy. So like a week before CMOT, we had a board meeting in Paris where the VPs had traveled to my house and we spent the whole weekend together planning everything. So it was still possible to travel. And it's on that Sunday so like five days before CMOT, everybody was supposed to arrive on Thursday night and that Sunday shit started going down. And then we found out on Monday or Tuesday that they were um, forbidding all gatherings. But what it meant is that because we'd been preparing for all that, like the teams were already fully uh, selected. So you had teams, you already had like leadership that had been thinking about how to bond the teams. You already had a WhatsApp group and all this stuff. So um, we had our... Uh, chairs training we actually decided to the whole everything we had planned for the in-person chairs training we kind of like last minute um transferred it to digital chairs training and so because of that we had some like team building or like bonding exercises so that was like organized bonding but that already kind of gave a base that some people already in the chairs team were kind of already having some dynamic and so then when they were having a call they could then invite other people. So there was like, you kind of needed a base of people to do something and then other people could add on. So that was one thing. Then we were basically all confined for two months. So if somebody was just like, hey, do you guys want to play an online game? People would usually be like, yeah, sure. Because you have like 80 people in this WhatsApp group that are all stuck at home for two months. And so that also became kind of um, like, we just had that opportunity to like, just do things. So people just go to calls we mm-hmm. within the chairs team we were thinking so with the board we were thinking okay like what should we what kind of connection can we offer to the chairs during confinement and so we started organizing regular calls um and at first it was like okay should it be more serious should it be more fun and then we just started doing this big bingo where people had to like share three random stories about themselves and then i put it all in a spreadsheet and people had to guess who it was and it actually took so long it took us like three different calls to go through it because it just took so long to guess and share stories but that already kind of like started this thing. And then you basically had a few people in the official team who were just like very active in the WhatsApp group or very active having banter or knew each other a bit before. And so that kind of like created this group atmosphere. And then we had a couple of, uh, we had these ideas of things to do during, I can't remember how it started exactly because it was a year and a half ago now. But we had these, we had this uh, Italian cooking class where uh, three different orgas um, from their house gave us a cooking ha- a cooking class and they did it a survey to see what people wanted to learn how to cook. And so the winners were uh, pasta carbonara, risotto, and tiramisu. And so we had like nice. this two hours of a recorded Google Meet where just like, you know, first you were in one orga's house in one part of Italy that sent us the ingredient list before. And they're just like teaching us how to cook. And so we're all just like home making Italian food together. And so that was also a... Like, you know, you go to one of these and so then you get to know those people. You maybe have five people on the call. So it means you can have a bit of spontaneous talk. And and yeah, and so then it kind of builds from there. And then a lot of it then happened with, you know, who would want to join an online game of, uh, you know, we played Among Us. We played a lot of, um, oh, how's it called again? Like the drawing game. 
um, oh, pick to pick. No, it's a, it's no? well, we did that one too, but then we did one where Gartic phone. Gartic phone. So they were playing Ooh. a lot of Gartic phone, or there was this other like a drawing game that was like more like a Pictionary. Um, so then you know sometimes people just randomly say, hey, who wants to play a game of Gartic phone? And then people just show up. Mm. So yeah, like we did have, I guess like we tried having that, and but then it's true like you just it's when you have 50 people on a call or 20 people on a call, you need to be like very not shy to just unmute yourself and say something random. Uh, but mm. you did have the chat, so people could do that through the chat. And and like the WhatsApp group was was great for that. Like sometimes it just kind of exploded and it was really fun. Nice. So does that That's answer? Cool. Was that what you were curious about? Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you, Rebecca, for answering my question. <laughs> uh, Joel, you are right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I find all that stuff like really interesting to see like how, how you create those bonds when you're when you're doing it in a virtual way versus the in-person way and like a whole bunch of stuff you were saying there like the italian cooking class and stuff like that like when when you're saying that the first thing that came to my mind is so many sessions that we have we're always trying to think about how do we introduce culture how do we introduce the culture of the place where you're staying at and something like that into the session and then it's all about when you're there how can then we balance the time between all this academic stuff and the uh, structured stuff that we want you to do versus giving you actually space to discover and enjoy that culture and like that's just a perfect idea on what to do and that could become like a, a classic thing in sessions which is um there is yeah an orga who's going to be running a cooking class about some kind of traditional dish and people could receive all the ingredients their list in advance and everyone can be cooking it together or some people could just be watching others while ordering pizza or something like this and yeah that could be an incredible experience and it could be more of a norm for sessions so yeah. we did it during the session we had a cooking class with a chef and uh, and that was mm-hmm. super fun and what was even actually more intimate was that people were in their houses so they could also do it with their parents or like with their siblings or with their friends so we got to do so we had like the officials version with just the orgas and us and uh well just the officials and then you know some officials parents were cooking or then you know we sent each other pictures of eating with our families and then we had the session one where it was really like a lot more people and you know sending pictures asking questions and this whole and it was so cool because we were actually like in like the session was in our homes like you know you had people in 30 different countries cooking at the same time together the same dish and uh, and then you really you know you really remember the recipe and i've been like making mm-hmm. risotto multiple times thanks to that one orga who taught us how to do it so yeah it's a good thing you had this uh, session in italy because this would be a perfect way to you know make people way less enthusiastic about in, uh, engaging in irish or uk sessions <laughs> hey we can teach how to <laughs> cook some fish and chips or something like all that, right you know? little, little delegates let's uh, make some haggis here yeah? <laughs> hey i'm in scotland right now and yesterday i had vegetarian haggis and it was beautiful it sounds like mm. it could be really good like nice and spicy yes exactly it, well because the actual haggis is what it's like lamb it's like yeah Inside. sheep intestine yeah like to cover and then you just stuff all the random parts that you probably wouldn't normally eat throw in some spices let it rot for a while i mean it's never going to be as rotten as like finnish food <laughs> you're making it sound all super super nice try <laughs> Hey, 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 I'm sorry, but if anyone's been to those Euro villages and like being past the, the, the finished like food stand for that, and then you see like this, this rotten fish that's been there for three months. You, you know, like, that's you Swedish, right, Nathan? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Finnish. My bad that this is the country. Oops. <laughs> yeah, no, the rotten fishes are more fin- uh, Swedish, Norwegian, and. Actually, Iceland apparently has a really interesting rotten shark dish. Mm. So um, the next time we do this, uh, you know, EYP Iceland, take note of uh, Zoom cooking classes of how to rot your shark. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, how to rot your shark. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like the greatest. <laughs> but 
it it is a really cool thing because when you think about it like in 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 person we do euro village where you know it, euro village is a cool thing i always love it you get to try food from so many different countries and they talk to you about why this is traditional why that is and that's really cool but then actually experiencing it by cooking it yourself and then you know having someone give you that narrative as your cooking that meal and when you mess up them actually advising you on what you're doing wrong oh, potentially the, it was just amazing because whenever you know you had an uh just like this whole group of people answering all your cooking questions about pasta it was wonderful like it, it is such a luxury to be able to ask questions while you're cooking the pasta like oh how hot should my fire be and what are my onions supposed to look like and should i put water or not then you had all these people answering very seriously because you know they really know their stuff about pasta mm -hmm. it was really it was really cool Yeah, Italians have a unique skill about getting upset about people cooking pasta incorrectly. I can uh, never is a very never thing. forget the EYP experience of being yelled at by an Italian person for putting a lid on a pasta, you know, pot when I was boil <sighs> boiling. <laughs> I I was heating up the water to put the pasta in it, and I put in the lid so it would happen faster, and I get yelled at by an Italian. <laughs> If you need anything, you put a wooden spoon on top. That doesn't make it heat up faster. No, but like if it bubbles, it stops the bubbles from going over. That it does. Because it kind of creates an internal like little thing like this. <laughs> Rebecca's just looking with that face. <laughs> oh, if Smiling only people politely. on the podcast could see it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So so that's a really cool one. And in terms of them like sharing that with the wider community, how do, have you heard of any other sessions that have started to do that kind of thing with cooking classes to introduce that cultural part? Or? Oh, well, that's, I'm, I don't think I'm the right person to ask because I'm not really in touch with the wider um, <laughs> EYP life anymore. I don't really know what people are doing, but definitely what I, what we we're hoping was that, um, So we had kind of the luxury of having a lot of people and a lot of people with experience and a lot of motivation. And it was kind of like, okay, like, let's harness that. What can we propose? And and hopefully, you know, we, we want to then, like, everything that we do hopefully can be useful to others or for future events. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of like what flagships are supposed to be. So I yeah. don't know what happened afterwards because I also know the COVID situation got a bit better. So in-person sessions have started again or hybrid sessions. So I know things are a bit different, but I definitely hope that um, other digital sessions or other in-person sessions can like get inspired or see the really cool things that some really cool things that happen and see how they can apply it. But definitely recommend the cooking classes. It can be like as a pre-session bonding thing, or it can be like an in-person thing. It was, it was really fun. But maybe it's because I really like eating and, you know, maybe not everybody on the team <laughs> was so excited about it, but I was really excited about the whole cooking thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let's not try to, like, let, let's not put in, this into a frame of this is not so much a thing anymore because digital sessions are more or less over. Like we we still have in, in every big session that we do, there's a long period of time when we're kind of scattered as a team, but not really doing anything. That's something I'm really working on myself as a team leader right now. Like, how do we engage the officials team before the session? Because even though we're now moving to, you know, hybrid and physical sessions, there's still kind of the COVID thing looming over us of people's motivation. Mm. And how do we make people feel engaged with this event when they haven't actually attended an EYP session like before? It used to be so easy. Like, we just took it for granted that everyone's there hyped about doing things. But now we need to think about that more. And maybe that's something we can, even when after we don't have to think about it more, maybe that's still something we can take away from this all. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think procession was always a challenge. And there's always this thing, you know, of procession, it's a lot of work. Or, oh, these people are not answering me. It's so difficult. And then kind of like you get there and you you would get there physically. And then some things would be resolved. Others wouldn't. But it, it wasn't, you know, you would definitely, it wasn't, necessarily people's favorite moment precession whereas that is a moment you're already engaged you're already getting to know people you're already like doing mm. eyp so yeah like that's definitely i think something that uh that yeah hopefully uh we learned more how to do so the real question is joel you're you're presiding an if in january Ooh, in congrats. turkey 
So, um, is the cooking class coming up in December or oh, November? Can we, can we listen? Um, can we watch it? Yeah. Was that the question? <laughs> yeah, I, I already got you there. Nathan. Is, is it going to be Lamachan or is it going to be Pide or what, what is it? What is it going to be? What's the dish? Um, definitely looking into the whole Middle Eastern thing. Like I, I think I might actually do it together with some organizers because I've been really looking, like going into this Middle Eastern cooking in the past half a year, a yearish, and doing mm-hmm. all these different meses has really been down my alley lately. And doing that with some genuine Turkish people, that would actually, that would be a lot of fun. I'll invite you guys to that call. Yes, we get the VIP invites. <laughs> and I'm sure like the listeners on the podcast can hear about it probably after it happens. Well, you know, we'll we, we tell you how it tasted. Like, we'll we make some, maybe we'll post some pictures or something like this. But you know what? We, we, we're going to enjoy it. That's great for making people feel included. Good work. <laughs> exactly. We're all about inclusion. Hey, we literally yeah. just had an episode on inclusion, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's something we could even do as an organization beyond the session teams. Just share our culture more. Yeah, but so I think it was in the EYP at home group that somebody put something like, uh, oh, like share a recipe from your country. And then people just started sharing things. And it was, that was really cool. Um, So I think that it started, but yeah, for sure. Well, actually speaking of that, um, we did a digital map of Europe. I don't know if you guys saw it because it's online. Uh, and it's actually the the other really cool thing about everything being online was that it's a lot more traceable. So you have a lot more like tangible things that then you can share with others or like refer back to or or you know send to your family or your friends or or you know people outside of outside of IP that you want to share a bit with. So um, we did the map of Europe on a Google Maps. So it was you know during that the normal general team building. We we sent the link to all the participants, and then people added where they were from on the map, and they all had to share something about their culture. So they were because it was this thing of you know, are we really going to get people to unmute and like sing a random song? Which is always it tends to be a bit tedious when you do it. After a while, it can be funny, but after a while, sometimes you'll be like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, great. And there I was like, okay, well, let's you know learn a bit. So everybody had to share like something about like a something cultural. So it could be a tradition. It could be a recipe. Obviously, I wanted people to share recipes. It could be a a recipe. It could be a monument. It could be anything. And so, you know, we had like these 10 minutes before adding things on the map. Then we went all over the map and people said hi in in their language. And then there were like 30 minutes left. And so it was just like, okay, whoever wants to just share. And, you know, at first, like there was 10 seconds of silence. And then, you know, you always have some very not shy people. And as Mm -hmm. soon as it started, it was just like, people were just so happy to share. And so they were all sharing something about, you know, we have this tradition. And then other people in me like, oh, we have it in my country too, but we do it like this. Or, oh, like from in my town is like the oldest shoe or some like really random things we'd get from all over. (laughs) And the cool thing was that, you know, afterwards during any break, you could just like go over the map and like click on all the points and like just learn stuff. It, it was really, really cool. That was super cool. And I really recommend that. And that could definitely be done. Yeah. Like at any event in the future, like whether you're there physically, people can join from their phones or you can do it pre-session as a like, get to know each other thing. But it was super cool. And then we kept referring back to that map. So like it's it shows up in the session video. In my closing speech, I like projected it. And it's this thing that just like people could always go back to of like, OK, well, let me visualize who are all these people that I'm like on video calls with and you could just go on the map and you're like, this is, this is cool. Like I'm talking to people all over the continent. This is really cool. Damn, that is cool. And like, like you said, what I love is that this kind of thing, it, it doesn't just have to happen only in digital sessions as in this is, it's almost like we're being forced into doing certain things, um, but it's forcing us to think outside of the box because the box we're used to thinking in doesn't exist anymore. And so you have to think in a completely different realm. And then you come up with these ideas and you're thinking to yourself, why didn't we do this before? 
this is like so many cool things there. And I guess you must have had a lot of times where you had certain expectation and then the reality was different. And some of those may have been like you had a high expectation, the reality was like more difficult, or maybe you were kind of afraid of something and then the reality was that actually you found something else that was incredible that solved it. So have you have you got a couple of examples of that, like where your expectations were pretty different to the rea- reality you saw? Yeah, so I think in in this case, we just had no expectations because everything was just thrown out of the window because everything was just so new. So there's this thing, what was what was actually, and that was actually what was very cool about it is um, um, by the time you get to an IS, you've done many sessions. By the time you've presided in an IS, you've been to many sessions and you've been to several ISs. So you kind of like know how it goes, you know what to expect, you kind of know, you know, your your realm of, of uh, what you have, like, what you have control or influence over is quite limited because there's a very like strict like framework of what you have to work into and like what the rules are and how things go and and with this situation all of that was just like gone so um that was um a bit it can be scary but it's also very liberating and it's exactly what you said about the box like there was no box anymore so and then what we realized was that a lot of things were not so different um, at the end of the day, you still want people to talk to each other, get to know each other. You still want people to discuss ideas. You still want people to gain confidence. And whether you do that in a room together, where you do that through Skype, or it, it's not that different. Uh, a lot of um, also like the chairs work of, you know, creating a group, moderating a group. The skills you needed are not that different if you're doing it, like no matter the form you're doing it in. And so the the cool thing is that we got to really think about that like go back to to go back to the basics and so about expectations like in a way there were no expectations and that was also what was very cool is that there was nothing you could compare it to so it also meant that and it's also something i think we we quite actively worked on um within the official team and within the chairs team of like taking all that pressure off and being just like just the fact that we're making it happen is already just like we can be really really proud of ourselves so then the rest mm-hmm. is just bonus like let's just let ourselves be surprised and let ourselves be amazed and um yeah i think that was kind of our we didn't know what to expect and i think that was what was also really really cool about it yeah it was just all like yeah man like no expectations it was just let, let's see how this works <laughs> Um, but I think maybe something that really um, was really important was that di- mm. digital chairs training that we did in at the end of February 2020, because that already kind of set, gave us an example of, of how, like, what could go well. So um, mm-hmm. we came into that, like, also, it was the first time any of us were doing an online chairs training. Um and we also didn't really know what to expect. Nobody did. The chairs were really, you know, they, I don't think they were yeah. very excited about it. Us, the board, we were like super prepared because we'd spent the whole weekend planning a training. So we we're like, okay, like let's, you know, we kind of knew what we wanted out of it. And it was really cool because we did like an opening on Friday night and like, what are your expectations and what do you want out of this? And then we did a closing on Sunday afternoon. And everybody said like, I'm just really positively surprised that I didn't expect this to be so so nice or so useful and i think that all gave us already some kind of like starting point of um okay even um if it's like not what we initially expected even if it's online and there's this this like first there was this expectation of oh it's just not going to be as good and it's not going to be as as rewarding it's not going to be as enjoyable but then also like once you start from there it can only get better I guess you can only be positively surprised or it's kind of like if you don't expect anything it can only it can only be good and that um, that training weekend went really well and after that based on that experience we're then trying to share with the other teams like especially with the orga team like what helped uh, the weekend go so well and what were kind of like best practices or like useful things to do to make these um training weekends or together moments work um so yeah i think that was that was a helpful moment and kind of like giving us an example of yes you can build connection yes you can learn yes you can like share something you can have reflection Mm -hmm. you can like yeah you can like 
learn something in theory and then you can think about how to put it in practice and you can connect with people and you can do all of that in front of a laptop stuck at home. That's cool. That's cool. Particularly over the past past couple of months. Well, actually, no. Uh, for, for me, that kind of started in 2016 about this, the whole idea that, that training trainings can be done virtually and there are some cool ways you can explore that and i've been trying to explore more and more and more and for me that that journey started in 2016 and then this year we we had the t3t and that was we were really really in-depth exploring kind of virtual different virtual training concepts whether it's building e-learning whether it's building different video series whether it's running virtual classes webinar style or trying to find different ways of approaching this and trying to find the right instructional design behind it and so I'm, i'm really interested to hear like from you as a board how did how did that thought process go when you were planning that training what were some like considerations that you took into account to think well, this is what we would normally do for training, but because we're online, this is the way that we want to run things. Yeah, so um, this is going to be from uh, February 2020, so I'm going to try to remember as best as I can. But I think what helped was uh, that we really knew what we wanted to get out of the training. Like the way we had set up the whole training was what is our objective? Like, what's the message we want uh, the chairs to get out of this? Like, what do we want them to learn? And then once we had very clearly, like, this is how we want them to leave this training. This is what we want them to leave it with. Then it kind of clarifies, like, okay, then how are we going to go about it? And uh, who can give this module? Who has an idea on how to give it? And once you know exactly what you want people to learn and, like, what your objective is, then the means just you come up with it. And so transferring it online, we had a, a like one hour, one hour and a half Skype call where we basically transferred the whole training online because we knew we had known so well what we wanted them to learn, what we wanted to share. They went through the list of modules. We're like, okay, can we do this online? Yes. Uh, this one, maybe not so much, which is the most critical ones we want them to do. And we really had to cut down on time. Like we were really conscious of this is how much people can concentrate online without getting tired. So we were very limited. We were like, okay, we're not doing more than one hour sessions. Uh, we're not doing more than this number of hours in a row or something like that. Um, and so then it was like, okay, we only have this very limited amount of time, which is the absolute minimum we want them to learn or we want to share with them. What can we easily transfer? And then it was a lot like based on our own personal experiences of what had we done before, what worked or what didn't. And, uh, and yeah, that, that was helpful. Or, and then just being creative. So um, I wanted to do human barometer for one training exercise. And then like one morning I just woke up and I was like, I know how I can do the human barometer online. And I just had this idea of, okay, I'm going to send the Google form and people are going to put a rate on like one to 10. And then I'm going to share my screen with the results. And that's going to be our human barometer. And it was just this of like, if you know what you want to get out of it, I was like, okay, I want to know how people feel on this from one to 10. How can I do that? And you know a few tools or you have a few ideas, but it's always this thing of like, if you know what your objective is or you you know what you're trying to get, then you find the way or you just ask people. And it was also this, it was also really like trusting the collective brain. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, really, really agree with that. And it's something that I feel like us in the T4T, we were discussing a lot and I felt one of our main, main objectives was this kind of learning point is that for people to realize that in order to build a training, no matter what training it is, if it's going to be virtual, if it's going to be in person, however you're going to build it, you just need good instructional design. You need to focus on that design piece behind it. And that design will start with analyzing stuff, analyzing needs and understanding what is it that they actually need? Where are they today? What is the gap you're facing? And then moving into concrete learning objectives. And if you know their exact needs and you've scoped all of that out and then you know exactly where you want to get them to, you have this objectives, you have potentially some aims in place, etc., of your training. Then from that, whether you're doing it as an in-person training, whether you're trying out a new way of training that you haven't done before everything can fall into place in an easier way it's never going to be simple but things can fall to place in an easier way as long as you have that instructional design foundations there and done 
And I think in UIP, like all of this is very cool and very functional when you have an experienced trainer team. But in EYP, we often end up in these situations where our trainer team is very much on their way of becoming a good trainer and knowing these parts about the EYP. So this kind of a part of what Rebecca said about letting pieces fall into place based on the people that are doing it is something that we really could do a lot more in EYP. Like when I'm designing trainers, trainings for my chairs team, I usually approach it from a point of, okay, what are my trainers good at? Because I'm, my, I would much rather have them deliver a module on something that they're really passionate about, something that they designed themselves or thought about themselves than having my vice president try and memorize some EU institutional network and give that just because that's kind of what the chairs need when that's not something that's going to be delivered in a way that's, you know, impactful in the end. And then the other nice thing is something that we we touched about a little bit before that um, when you have to rethink all the format as well, then you don't do anything just because you did it before. Like you can't take anything for Mm -hmm. granted. And so it really forces you to think about, okay, how do I justify getting these people to like, listen to me for an hour like what is it you don't just like do trainings because you've received them before because we had to a bit adapt them or recreate them from scratch so you really think about okay what is the one thing i want them to get out of this and how can i um yeah how can what what exercise can they do we really tried as well to make everything as interactive as possible and there was one exercise that we did that was really cool and i really recommend it is we did like one-on-one conversations on the phone so there were also some parts of training where people weren't in front of the computer. It was like, okay, you're paired up like this. And now like mm-hmm. go for a walk together and just, you know, talk on the phone to each other, but not in front of the computer. And that was also really nice. like it, it, because at first we wanted to do like a walk uh, in person, you know, like, okay, people go pair up and go for a walk. And then we realized when, you know, thinking about how to put it online, we we're like, wait, but we can still do that. It's just people are going to yeah. be on the phone, but people can still go for a walk together. And then the super nice thing is people did that and they came back and they were all sharing in the WhatsApp group pictures of their neighborhood. And so it felt even more personal in a way where you're not meeting people when they're, you know, isolated from their everyday life because they're at a physical event that's like this bubble outside of reality. You're interacting with people in their everyday life. So you get to know their homes, you get to know their surroundings, you get to know their pets, you get to know sometimes like the people they live with, you get to know their neighborhoods. And that was also really, really nice. That's really cool. Yeah. That reminds me of what I've been doing with uh, this IF that I'm presiding is I've been with having this just informal calls with uh, just pop up in a voice channel, anyone can join. And what I've kind of started doing is just ask people to describe the house they live in and go on Google Maps and try to find their house just by randomly browsing their city. That's really cool. It sounds really stalkery, but it sounds really fun too. (laughs) (laughs) That was something uh, I remember I was having a chat with a colleague about at one point, and it was that um, when trainings went virtual, um, it's not that it's not that trainings were then suddenly really bad when they were virtual. It's that when things went virtual, you couldn't hide behind bad trainings anymore. So when you're in person and you're running these one and a half, two hour lectures where you're talking at them, um, you could kind of sometimes salvage it by having a really good personality and having that energy and making lots of eye contact and doing that. But you're salvaging a really shit training, <laughs> like a horrendous one. And then as soon as you put that online and you have an hour and a half webinar online, yeah, yeah, pe- people are going to like walk away, put their headphones down, pretend they're there. Like a sensible person wouldn't fully attend wouldn't actually give their energy to attend something like that so it it is kind of cool sometimes this opportunities where like you said you you can't just do things because you've seen them done in the past like we may have heard somebody 
talk at us about a specific topic in the past. So we're going to talk at other people about a specific topic in the past, or we're going to run committee work in this way because we've always run it this way. Or we're going to get people to do, uh, like you said, about singing songs at the beginning, because we always get people to sing songs at the beginning. The person who first started that and the and like the first few people who did that probably thought of something really cool and created something really cool around this. And then sometimes we just take that same action without the understanding behind it it's like they there's some kind of iceberg and we only see the tip of tip of it but anything that um let's say if we take the example of a chairperson anything that a chairperson does a delegate only sees the tip of an iceberg they haven't seen all of the thought and the planning that the chairperson's done underneath so you can't just take abigail and play it on your family next <laughs> you know next time you go for dinner so i really like the idea that that's a great topic you didn't of have conversation for dinner. Oh, what do you guys think of the story? Who do you think is the best person? <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, when I did it, it was awesome. And then we, you know, we had really engaging conversations for the next hour, hour and a half. So I should do this with with my friends uh, in over dinner. And this should be awesome as well, because it's that monkey see, monkey do. So I really like when stuff like this, when, like you said, it, it does get you to peel off all the layers and then really think about why are you doing anything? Was there anything else in particular that you were like, why were we doing this? Uh, did you have any any more of yes. those moments? Why <laughs> do we do opening ceremony on day three? <laughs> so, uh, but this is but this whole thing about how you're peeling all the layers away and you really have to think about why you were doing it. That was the um, the opportunity of Milano, I guess, where there was this thing of what was really like obviously it was very challenging the whole situation. But we were always trying to see, okay, well, this is situ- this is the situation we have. How can we make the best of it? And and it was this where I was like, whoa, like it's the first time that you really kind of have a blank slate for an IS. And you can kind of just do whatever you come up with. So we could come up with the schedule from scratch because there were no logistical constraints. There wasn't anything about, oh, well, this fancy venue is only available at this time because it has to be on a weekday, but there's arrivals. We cut out all of arrival time. We didn't have to deal with arrivals and departures. So you save up a lot of time. You don't have to deal with transfers. So you also save a lot of time there, uh, a lot of logistical mind. Um, but that was that was what was, um, the whole session was that, was, why are we doing this? Because we really had to know why we're doing it because it was a lot of work uh, because it was a, a year and a half instead of half a year. Um, and we really had to rethink everything from the ground up because, um, yeah, <laughs> there was nothing we could, we, we could look a bit at how had past digital sessions dealt with it. By then there had been some digital flora, but it was really like, okay, what do we want to make with this? Um mm. Yeah. So why are we doing this? What are we trying to get out of it? What are some things we need to have in there? So, you know, we had to talk with the GB and the IO and see how is, you know, what are the criteria for this to be an IS? And then it was really like, okay, let's do the schedule. And that was really cool to really be like, okay, how do I think the schedule would make sense? And I was like, "Mm, why don't we start with opening ceremony? Because it's a bit weird. You know, you have arrivals, you have two days of team building, and then you have opening ceremony. So that was one thing. We started with opening ceremony and then with the team building afterwards and all of that afterwards. And uh, yeah, some things just fell into place and there was some, you know, there's some coherence to starting with team building, then doing committee work, then having a bit of a cultural day to take a bit of a break and then doing GA. So that didn't change. But then everything else was a bit more like, okay, like, wow. Yeah. um, What do we think would make sense or what kind of event would we want to go to with this kind of like, how would the flow go? Like, you know, you have one fun evening and then you have one more academic evening and then all of that, how, how that would flow together. Yeah. And, and thinking, thinking of a, a couple of these bits that you mentioned, like what, what, why is it that we have uh opening ceremony at that time? Why is it that we then look for that kind of venue? What, what, why, why do we do these things in that kind of order? And I feel like that taps into what, 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 Joe, what we were discussing on the previous episode around um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how EYP is is such an elitist 
elitist structure that really values the political class above everyone else um, in, 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 in so many respects. We're trying to move away from that, but that is definitely, definitely something that we have grained into us and we need to do way more against. And I feel like the opening ceremony is a really great point for that. It said we need this space where everyone gets dressed up in suits and dresses and stuff that they pro- don't probably own but would have to probably buy for the session and hire some kind of fancy venue that no one would actually be in on an ever basis maybe there's a handful of people in that session that would actually be in a venue like that outside of eyp and then you're in this venue then you're doing this formal opening and bringing some really important people to have a conversation who has no idea what you're doing or why you're there and you do not care about what they're saying <laughs> either and we kind of do all of this almost like a like trying to live out a little fairy tale that happens every time so I'm, I'm, imagine asking people for that opening ceremony to to wear wear their best clothes when they come online on the zoom for the opening ceremony or, or for GA said, no, everyone has to suit up at home. Like, why would you do stuff like this? Well, so people were suited up, but I think they were probably wearing no! like sweatpants. <laughs> I think they were wearing like sweatpants with like a jacket because nobody can talk. Um, but no, I mean, we weren't very strict on the dress code, but I actually don't totally agree with what you're saying about opening ceremony, mm-hmm. but I think it really, it probably depends on the circumstance. So for Milano, for example, one other thing that was very, very special was that the, the head organizers and the orga team in general had really built strong relationships with the sponsors. So the sponsors mm-hmm. who were, who were there, they were really partners. It's also because of, you know, all the challenges, all this whole thing of, should we postpone? How should we postpone? What are we going to do? The, the main sponsors were really involved in it and they kept their support. So they kept their support a whole other year um, because they really believed in the project. And so they were speaking an opening ceremony and you could tell that they knew what mm-hmm. they were talking about and they knew who we were and they knew what we were doing. Um, also, it wasn't just speeches. It was a panel discussion. So I got to write the questions to ask to the sponsors. I got to decide like kind of what I wanted them to talk about. And it was about the theme of the session. So it wasn't just like, oh, listen to me. I'm very important. This is what I want the youth to listen. It was really thought more of as, um, and the whole thing was framed as an exchange. Like, you know, what can, um, h- yeah, how can it be an exchange between the participants and the sponsors who were there? And then I do agree with you that I think, you know, it shouldn't be an exclusion thing, that it shouldn't be that, well, you know, you you can't afford a suit, well, then you shouldn't come to this fancy place. I also think that people should be a bit more relaxed about dress codes. But uh, I do think it's nice when you're young people spending your free time talking about politics to go also in like nice venues, like in City Hall or in like nice venues, because you're all, I think it is also kind of showing that what we're doing is uh, important and is valuable and i also think symbolically Mm -hmm. it's good that we go inside the places of power that are like parliaments or city halls because that's where we should be like that's where young people should also be involved and feel like they belong and feel like they can voice their opinions in but but um i was kind of feeling that we we kind of have to provide this opportunity when we're having these political discussions to be present in these kind of buildings isn't that kind of us also obeying that idea of these are the kind of buildings that have that should maintain this power and should be deciding these things and because in this couple of days that we come together or week that we come together we're now giving you the opportunity to do this you have to be in one of these buildings and so it's not something in in a part of your daily life that you can do in a cafe with your friends it's something that you would need to dress up and represent the political class to be a part of mm, that's a, that's a very good point no i totally agree with you there yeah no it shouldn't so so like the, the, the way that you did it here for the online part um i really like how you're kind of breaking down those bar- boundaries of like you said having a nice panel discussion and trying to actually address certain relevant things not really caring about that dress code part um it's not about the venue it's about the conversation it's about deciding you know this opening ceremony should be at the beginning of the session because it opens the session not it moves us from the non-academic part of the session to the academic part of the session um or something like this so i like that 
Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying we're, to find something that, that wouldn't be... Well, <laughs> also our challenge was like, how do we convince 200 young people to stay in front of a screen for two hours? Like we have to make it really interesting. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody's going to want to show up. So that was also that's also what was cool and kind of what had to keep us grounded was all of this was how do we convince people to be in front of their computer? Like we really have to come up mm-hmm. and offer a program that people are really excited about. And that yeah. should definitely be then a driver for everything else you do in your life, as you said. Like, then this is something we should do all the time in anything that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think EYP also has this need to think about what we do more from this time perspective. Because it's not like sessions don't have way less hours than we could use. It's not like any chairs or media team leadership comes to a CMO room and thinks like, oh, well, we have too much time. We don't know how to spend this. Or if a chair is given a day for their team building, it's not like they're going to run out of things to do most of the time. Like There's a lot of uh, consideration that we, what we should be putting into what is actually important here and what we want to achieve with these things. That was a big Definitely. challenge for us was this whole thing of, we still, you know, how, and I think it's in all schedule, but it's this of you want to do so many things and how do you still make the schedule manageable? And that was really tough. And I don't think we found the perfect recipe either. And we, we really tried to have um, a lot of feedback afterwards as well. And like, was the schedule too busy? Was it not busy enough? Was it too academic? Was it too non-academic? And it's, it's hard. Like, I think, I think we found an okay balance in the sense that we got some people saying it was too academic some people saying it wasn't academic enough i think everybody said that it was a bit too intense but it was this where we had already tried so much to cut down and not have too many hours in a day but then it's just really hard (laughs) it's really really hard to not because at one point it was like yeah but we don't want to cut down too much on committee work time because we want people to have time to debate because that's also why we're here we don't want people to feel rushed into their debate and coming up with their solutions so that that's a big challenge. That's definitely a big challenge. And uh, I hope people in the future will have even better solutions for that. So people who are listening to this, who let's say they're, they're, in, they're on some kind of, either on the leadership team or maybe like there's some part of the officials team of an upcoming session. And this session is now going to be an in-person session and they haven't done an in-person session in like two years now. And they're thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to get back to that. Um, what would be a couple of things that they could do? For example, just like our recommendation to Joel about the the, 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 the cooking show and actually getting some like ni- nice pre-session cooking, get everyone online and learn for a recipe and that we're actually going to join them as well. Um, but anyone else who who may have some kind of upcoming session that's going to be in person, what are maybe one or two things you could recommend to them that they could introduce to their session that you only kind of discovered because you weren't virtual? I should have asked me that question before so I could have thought about it in the last few days because ah. that's such a good question and I'm probably going to come up with something very smart in the next few days. Um <laughs> excuses yeah um (laughs) i think um just know why you're doing things and stick to that and um be creative so things don't have to be very complicated like yeah you can do a human barometer with a google sheet like it's very (laughs) google form whatever it's just um just know like don't think there was another thing that was really important that there's another very important moment was when we all kind of collectively realized we didn't have to make it like super, super extraordinary. We just had to make it happen. Like I didn't have to be the most amazing president. I just had to be the president. The chairs didn't have to be the most amazing chairs ever. They just had to chair. And I, I think there was also, it goes back a bit to what you said about expectations of, I think there's the trap and, um, is definitely was true for me. It's true for a lot of people I know in EYP that like we put too many expectations on ourselves and then we just don't have a good time because we're just way too pressured and then we just mm. don't feel good and we don't have a good time and probably things externally seem like they're doing great, uh, but you're like not enjoying it uh, and you're like preventing yourself from enjoying it. And I just hope that now when people um, do sessions, whatever form they have, they just focus on doing like like kind of do less than more and focus on like what's really important what do I really want to get out of this and I'll just do that 
and not try to yeah. do like, okay, we're back in in-person sessions. Let's do like so many different things because we're back in in-person, but just, you know, like everybody should just relax a bit more and just, yeah, yeah just relax and just like do like one thing that they think is going to be important and just be fine with that and not think that they have to do more. I like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good piece of advice. I feel like a lot of times we do take ourselves almost too seriously or put too much pressure on ourselves. And I think, Joel, we, we've had that discussion in past episodes before about this amount of pressure we constantly put on ourselves. And maybe it's when you get into that more relaxed environment of saying, you know what, I'm just going to make this happen and I'm going to do what I can do. And you don't have that stress or anxiety around you that you actually start to have the space to be more creative, to come out with new ideas and not to fear the failure of, oh, I need to get this right. I need to get this right. But it's like, oh, if things go bad, I'm going to find a way to, to fix things because we just need to make sure it happens. So I like that. And there's also a very, very big uh, caveat that we tend to fall into in this, uh, expecting so much of ourselves is to go kind of going back to what Rebecca said about we also expect ourselves to know everything, especially in this kind of why are we doing things? And mm -hmm. this is a very important place to also, if you're doing this, pay, pay yourself some minded, like, do, am I just telling myself I know why we're doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, it's perfectly okay to, you know, ring up a friend and talk about it, feeling like, well, I actually don't feel like I'm aware of why I want to cram these 12 modules into this chair's training that's supposed to happen in three hours. Yeah. And that makes me think that, um, so we did a lot of, like we tried a lot of new things. Um, a lot of it was unknown territory for everyone, but we're always very open about it. We're at, and I think that was very liberating for everyone where we'd kind of, you know, tell uh, us in the leadership and then like in the chairs team but also with the whole officials in general it was like this is what we know this is what we don't know this is our idea please tell us what you think we don't have all the answers like this is what we want to do we're thinking of doing it this way but if you have a better idea please tell us and we would also try to like create these spaces we were very honest about like that we didn't have all the answers but that like we yeah like we thought maybe Someone else did, and we we were really happy if they would bring their answer. And I think that was, I'm guessing that was also maybe like relaxing or liberating also for different people in the session where they also like didn't rely on somebody else to have all the answers and they just had to follow them. They were kind of like, okay, yeah, this person is just human. Then that means I'm also human. And I'm, it's also okay if I don't have all the answers. And we can just talk to each other about it and, and figure things out. Yeah. Okay. Funny moment in the session things go wrong people laugh people like what the hell's going on and i'm pretty sure that like okay, when we're in person that happens like way too often for us to admit and that's why every 10th episode is called fuck ups but when you're online i i wonder like how how often did that happen or have you got like an example to, to you don't have to name and shame people just yeah. like we just want to laugh <laughs> um i'm trying to think at their expense yeah no i mean probably like the uh i i like I, I also have to it's been too long man it's been like more than six months um there were probably some things of you know bad connections or people muting or unmuting or things like that like nothing really um really horrible happened like it wasn't you know like the big webinar with the big sponsor and then like somebody went to the bathroom like that stuff didn't happen luckily <laughs> um there was probably some stuff that happened in like the committee rooms but like I can't uh yeah no i can't i can't really think of uh think of anything but they were probably like yeah but it's it's you kind of accept they're just part of they're just part of the experience so you kind of just don't even necessarily remember them there were no um probably now like you know if people from milan are listening to this they're probably gonna have like tons of ideas like, no but this went horrible or that one or that <laughs> was so funny there are probably a lot of funny moments um but i guess yeah we just like laughed about it so so you have no relationship gossip to share with us? I know, us? it's terrible. No, like... no, there are two orgas who got together. Oh, <laughs> But I okay, told you okay, at the okay, beginning. Okay. Super That's cute. true. Okay, you had one bit of... Okay, well, we're going to let you off for that one. I, I, I was expecting like, some, something to horribly go wrong. Like I, I had this one um, it was a virtual 
at my company, at my previous company, I was organizing a virtual pub quiz. And uh, it was for the whole like uh, Europe office. There's about a hundred people online. Everyone's divided into teams. We did a whole dress rehearsal of this, you know, well, like, it, it was, it was a kind of big virtual event that we're ha- having for that. So we had to practice multiple times to make sure we have all the right tools. We know how to do all this stuff. And we're like, okay, we go for it. And we're about halfway through and everything's running really, really smoothly. And then uh, my colleague who was like hosting and kind of talking through and moving on to the next thing suddenly leaves the meeting. And we're like, what, what's going on? And then suddenly he, there's one person who just bursts in laughter. We're like, what? <laughs> what? Okay, okay. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny that he just randomly left halfway through a conversation, but whatever. He joined back, tried to find out what's going on and stuff. And then finally, somebody amused themselves to admit what happened. And it was uh, a different colleague who, who said, um, you know, when you hover your mouse over somebody and you kind of click the thing, you have the ability to kick them out <laughs> the meeting. And I didn't know it would work, <laughs> but apparently it does. Oh, no. So, yeah, oh. halfway through the thing, <laughs> the host just being like kicked out of the meeting. Yeah. And yeah, I thought maybe you had something like this where, like, so actually, um, <laughs> at one point during GA, the VP who was chairing the debate, his computer crashed. while he was chairing the debate (laughs) but this is how good my board is the vp who was doing like the spreadsheet or who was on another task just stepped in and no no break no it was super smooth and so he just chaired the rest of the debate and so the original chair was able to like reboot his computer and join again and it was just like you just had two different people chairing the debate but it was like a smooth transition it was i was very (laughs) impressed i was like oh yeah my team is good (laughs) i was very proud yeah okay even even a mess up you, that, that you're telling us about you're telling us how positive and how great it was and how they managed to re- <laughs> no, they were probably... like this we, we want bad stuff <laughs> i know but i can't um like maybe it's also this whole thing of you know when it's all over you kind of just the bad stuff that happened yeah. it doesn't with perspective you're like oh yeah i guess it wasn't such a such a big That's thing true. or it was just like it, it was a really good experience it just went really well <laughs> it can happen well then for, for those listeners if you were in milan is and there is something either like yeah, gossip whether it's relationship gossip <laughs> or like bad things that happen or anything like that anything funny like those funny things yes we need either beans to be spilled or even like spill the tea, like do what you'd like. We now actually have a social media presence. So we actually have a Facebook page. Yes. I think we have four people following. You're so shamelessly Uh, promoting your social media. (laughs) Oh, So shamelessly. Hey, hey, we we have, we have an Instagram account. Okay. I had to learn how to create an Instagram account for this stuff. I looked at (laughs) tutorials for this stuff. Okay. And then, and now we actually, I think we have nine followers. There was one, uh, I don't know if it was like, um, congrats i don't know if it's a like it's not like a i don't know if it counts as like a funny story but there was one really impressive it was a bit scary like i think one delegate at one point had a car accident and i think she was on her way to the hospital or her way to the doctor she had like a thing around her neck but she had a speech in ga and she like gave her speech from the car with the thing around her neck and we're like is she in her car and then the chair was like yeah she she had an accident or she's going to the doctor or something like that and we're all like, and her speech was really good. We're all like, what is this dedication? Like, this is way too much dedication. <laughs> like, please go to, like, go do your medical thing. Don't worry about your speech. It was really impressive. The level of, yeah. That that was, wow. we're all like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. But um, a, a lot of times when, we, when we're working online and we get, don't get the responses from other people, we kind of feel that maybe because we're doing a virtual part, even if it's a part of your session that's online or something like this, or if it's the full session, you kind of feel that people aren't as committed. And you start to tell stories in your mind about how people would care much more if they were here in person, but because they're online and it's easy to avoid that they're not doing so and, and stuff like this. But then when you hear stories like that about somebody who literally went through a car accident and who had a commitment and was like, I'm still going to make this commitment. I'm wearing a neck brace, but I'm going to deliver my GA speech. You start to really realize that a lot of times it is just stories that we tell ourselves about this and that people are really passionate. People are committed. And if you give them the right opportunity and create that nice space, just like you did for this IS, then 
you can truly live a new IP experience. Yeah, completely. Um, I I do think that there is that additional challenge of commitment for a um, digital event that you really need the people involved to be committed because it is um, because it's that like you you need to you need to have a lot of trust because you can't like physically go find them in their rooms. So if they just decide not to connect, there's not much you can do. So that's kind of, but like everything, you know, there's a good and a bad side. So that's the challenge. But it's also the positive side is that everybody who's there and when they show up, it's because they want to show up and they want to be there and they want to take part of it. And that's how you want to work anyway. You only want to have people involved who are really motivated, who are really committed and who want to be there. You don't want to have to run after them. And so in a way, it kind of like then it self-selects. Like, you know, if you, if, yeah, if they're not showing up, they're not showing up, they're not there. and I wasn't going to go running after them because it was like, well, I can't, like, I need to focus my energy on other things. Um, so that's one, one really nice thing. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say was uh, was this, what you said about um, creating that space for these people to show how passionate they were. That that was really one motivating thing was that um, when COVID hit and we had to think, okay, what do we do now? It was this whole thing of, well, the reason why we're here, the reason why we want to do this event was that, you know, we really believe in in some, some like, you know, basic things. Like, we believe that it's important for young people to talk about, like, current issues. And especially our theme was about sustainable development. So it was like, well, you know, we're all going to be stuck at home. I still think it's important for us to have some kind of connection and to get to hear what young people want to think about sustainability and, like, how, you know, how our world should look like. And then there was also this thing of, well, if... The world's going more and more online. There's all these tools. If anybody can figure out how to make them work and make something meaningful out of it, I think it's going to be us. I think it's going to be a group of UI peers. And then there was also this thing of, honestly, like, let's give ourselves something to look forward to. We're all, like, confined or COVID and stuff. Like, why not? Like, what else are we going to do? But it was that where we really wanted to, yeah, like, give that space for people to to exchange to get to know each other to grow to discuss and uh and and yeah and uh i i think it i think it worked <laughs> i think some some really i think some really some really cool things came out of it and it was also because of all the people who took part so one of the things that brought me the most joy is that whatsapp group is just seeing it sometimes just go totally crazy with all these people most of who didn't know each other before just having all these random jokes on like um Italian things and European politics and it's just so wonderful. Nice. Well, I, I think that, that that's a good note to end with, which is this idea that and that's some let's go. Here we go. That was yeah, I've just forgot my words. Yeah, to end with because and there we go. I've just gone blank. 